Hello and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the ALT Learn podcast. I'm John Tate and I'll be your host over the next 30 minutes as we break down the science behind how our students really learn, what this pedagogy looks like in the classroom and get to find out how our teachers are turning all this theory into practice. So let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to episode seven of the ALT Learn podcast, where this week we're going to carry on our digital technology theme, but in particular, we're going to look at how we can use assistive technology in our classrooms to make learning more inclusive and personalized to our students' needs. So I'm pleased to say that alongside me on today's show, we have our very first external guest. Ryan Evans works for the Aspire to Be Learning Technology Company based in Wales, and some of you may recognize his voice from the Google Educator Level 1 course that I know many of you have been accessing online this year from Aspire Ed. I've known Ryan for quite a few years now through my education networks. I'm extremely pleased that he's been able to take some time out of his day to come onto the podcast and talk to us about a publicly available resource that he's created in his mission to make learning more inclusive and accessible using some of the innovative tools that we have available at our fingertips. So a big North Yorkshire one welcome to you on the podcast today, Ryan, all the way from sunny Wales. Thank you very much for that lovely warm uh, Yorkshire welcome. Really privileged to be your first external guest on the podcast. Brilliant. It's great to have you with us today. So I think um, what might be nice to start with is to tell listeners a bit about yourself. For example, what's your background in education and how did you get to be working for a learning technology company? Oof, yeah, good question. Where do I start, I suppose? Um, so my background, I was secondary trained. Uh, I was a teacher for a couple, of, a number of years in a secondary in, in West Wales, in Llandailo. Um, and then I relocated, had an opportunity to go and work at a special needs school. Uh, it was a residential SEBD school uh, based in Camarthe in my hometown in, in Wales. And it's, um, in all honesty, it's basically the, the pupils are all previously excluded from mainstream education. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, a huge range of difficulties uh, in their, you know, in their livelihoods and, and their education um, experiences. So um, my opportunity to go there as head of faculty of the, the STEM subject faculty, really, it was. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, when I first started there, the STEM sort of concept was very early in the Welsh curriculum. But where it evolved to was an exciting journey that I was a part of, that I, you know, that I led. And that digital transformation piece that I had to sort of lead up uh, at the school when I when I first joined, it was a dream opportunity for me. There was more iPads, laptops, and desktops than probably the the forty four pupils that were on roll at the school. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was a dream for me. Um, like I said, I was secondary training ICT and PE, so going there, I had a really nice opportunity to not only blend both those subjects into a really um, experience led curriculum. But, you know, to really get my, my teeth stuck into a project, to, to start using the technology far more effectively, it was, at the time, I suppose, some great photos and some not-so-great photos being taken mm-hmm. on the iPads mm-hmm. uh, and some searches and copy-and-paste jobs, you know, on the laptop. So um, my opportunity to change the way the school used technology, to make it more effective and, and implemented properly, and to bring in the assistive technology angle, which I was aware of back then at at the start of that journey, but it's something that my experience grew very quickly. You know, you can do a bit of research and find out some accessibility tools that just are there built in, you know, default into the devices Mm. or, you know, a quick install of an app or an add-on, whatever it might be. You can can change the way a pupil engages in their day-to-day, you know, curriculums. So that was um, where I spent about seven years, and it was near the end of my time at the school. I started really um, being made aware of Aspire to Be, which is uh, it's about thirty minutes from my hometown, the the sort of the main HQ based in Swansea, and it was on social media that I could see that you know they were doing some really great projects and some work, basically doing what I was doing, but on a much much bigger scale. Um, and well, as I said, you can imagine the, the challenges that I faced on a daily basis. And it was one day that I came home, I uh, remember it fondly because it was, you know, I was at breaking point, I think. I needed a change. Uh, school, you know, it was tough with the, with the relationships with the pupils were great, but, you know, it, it, uh, it was taking its toll on me at the time. Mm-hmm. So I just re- I reached out, I suppose, to uh, company, well, managing director uh, Simon Pridham. 
And I said, look, uh, really like what you're doing as a company. I'm doing a similar project myself at the school. Uh, it'd be great to have a chat with you one day and, you know, potentially put me uh, on your radar, I suppose. Um, and, well, three years later, I'm, I'm still at the company. It's, mm. It was a conversation that went really well. Um, and I, Well, as I say, the, the rest is history. And I'm now partner technologist for Google and the inclusion lead at Aspire to Be. Fantastic. And I know having kind of knowing you kind of professionally over the last kind of two or three years, kind of how your passion has kind of come through. And I, and I think that, you know, it's amazing how you've been able to kind of um, follow that passion uh, and, and really, like you say, do it on a bigger scale as well, which, which is brilliant. Um, now, today, we're, we're going to specifically talk about your new project, Include Edu, and your passion for using assistive technology to create a more inclusive and personalized education landscape. And you've kind of just described really a lot of your passion there about how it's come through. But can you just give us a, a brief kind of understanding of kind of for, for the listeners, really? Why did you set up Include Edu? What was your motivation? And, and who is the site primarily aimed at? And if you can, again, if you can give us to, to start with, so people, if, if people are sat in front of a computer right now, what's the what's the URL as well? So people can start yeah. to kind of get, you know, get, get, their, get their hands on it. Yeah, um... So it, obviously, yeah, the, the address of the site included you dot online. So it's uh, the word included with the letter U on the end. It's this obviously the play on the edu at the end for education is where it came from. So included you dot online. Um, and it, I suppose it was born several years ago in my, in my mind, um, because obviously, like I said, I was coming in to aspire to be as a learning te- technologist back then, but who was going to front up the, the inclusion angle of what we offered as a company. And well, as a company, we are the only professional development partner, certainly in the UK, of Apple, Microsoft, and Google. So we're very independent in what we do, and having uh, um, you know an excellent range of skills within the company that that covers all angles. Really, you know, all the staff, my colleagues, we're all education background from teachers, heads of faculty, head teachers, um, the sort of technologists behind the scene. You know, the more technical minded etc so we're a wide range of skill sets and what we do is well traditionally before the pandemic we go into schools and carry out a digital change review so it's um it's almost a line in the sand for organizations that we say right we're going to come in we're going to investigate a few areas and work with the school like i said to co-construct um a report that says this is where you're currently using technology this is what's current practice in teaching and learning and the infrastructure and the whole sort of holistic approach to it. And then we sort of put a, a roadmap in place with you know, heavily including professional development for staff to get to a place which would be much more effectively utilising the tech. That's sort of one of the main services, you know, as a company that we do. Uh, we've evolved, you know, even in the short space of time that I've been at the company to do uh, a lot more um, services but in the main that's what we do with education um, so I suppose included you stemmed from the fact that I was going into schools to you know and seeing that skills gap when we were delivering training and it's it, you know the, the training whether it is Apple Google or Microsoft it was very it's tailored for the school needs but it's providing mainstream teachers uh, the majority of the time with just that foundation as those of you that have carried out you know your google certified educator level one for example you know it's, it's tools for you to then go away and utilize in a sort of teaching a class of 30 approach which is great don't get me wrong the, the training we do is excellent there's always uh, positive feedback and things but it tended to be and it was almost in my mind going into training i was waiting for someone to put their hand up or for somebody to, you know, to raise a concern of, well, I've got a pupil with visual needs or learning, you know, different literacy difficulties or um, hearing, whatever the, the additional learning need was. And that's almost that really sparked my passion. And I'd come alive then and be, oh, I know a great app or I know a great extension that you can, you can you know, very quickly utilise and really transform a learner's um, interactions and experiences. So over the last three years, obviously, I'm, I'm getting a little bit frustrated, I suppose, that money was being spent by schools on training that was, you know, our directive and our sort of objectives were never really, you know, to, to have that um, real deep dive into the inclusive sort of education, which was frustrating for me because I wanted head teachers to say, you know, it needs to have equal 
balance, I suppose, in professional development. And there was nowhere uh, that I could signpost these educators who had um, a need for assistive technology. I could, there wasn't a website, there wasn't somewhere that included everything. You know, I could say, yeah, go on the app store with a, with an iPad and, and there's loads on there. Likewise, you know, the Google Chrome web store, etc. There's there's loads of great resources, but there was never somewhere for the, to, that housed them all. Uh, and I suppose then over the last 10 months, I've been involved in the Google Innovator Academy, uh, the first ever remote one this year. We've done it almost in a, a work from home environment. Mm. Uh, obviously with a pandemic mm-hmm. and it was through I was going into the academy so when you're successful I think it was over 2,000 applicants last year got into I think there was about 66 of us who got into the the VIA 20 cohort um, uh, so obviously normally it's uh, across Europe or across the world that you have to visit for a week and do these design sprints where you take a challenge into the academy and when you come out of it you're on the road then to developing a solution for it so of course I took in my challenge was to um, develop something I didn't really know what it was going to be develop something to um, support educators to personalize learning experiences for specifically learners with with learning difficulties Um, where that started last July on that journey to where it is now I would never ever have imagined that the journey it's been on and how fast the developments have, have gone on. Um, what it is now is a concept that, well, it can certainly do what it said, you know, initially what I wanted. It, it got into a, it's a website, obviously, um, but it was going to be for educators, parents and guardians uh, to be able to have a look at some tools to for them then to implement them into their daily teaching and learning. Um, what it's ended up being now through feedback and a lot of user testing uh, over the last few months, particularly before we launched it officially in March. Um, what it's got to now is that it does it does that, but a whole lot more in the fact that it isn't just aimed at those with learning difficulties it supports. It's very much um, any user can benefit from the tools on there. So it's looking at every single pupil, not just those with learning difficulties. Um, I think assistive technology is a term in its general sense it's been around for a long time and this there's an emerging term now of inclusive technology that i've almost embraced mm-hmm. uh, it's something that's like i said it's growing it's it's been seen that these tools then can support everybody and even to the sense of i've been on training recently and i'm delivering to members of an organization a business organization who you know, they've got their own digital transformation needs. And I think there's a team of 70 working in this organization. Well, within that team of 70, there was some with visual impairment, with hearing impairment, with dyslexia, and, you know, all these different difficulties. Well, the tools are just just as valuable to those individuals as they are to the pupils that we're supporting. So your question of who is it primarily aimed at, it's well, it's it's grown to such a wide audience now, um, so that is pretty much aimed at anybody using technology, I suppose. And I, I think that's great. And I know obviously I've I've seen this, and we've we've been talking about this for a while now. And I think that what you've kind of hit on there about the fact that it's about inclusivity as well, not just kind of high end special needs. You know, even the things we're going to talk about about the. Um, about kind of hearing impairment or visual impairment you know it doesn't mean people are deaf or blind there are so many different kind of needs within our classrooms that maybe we know about maybe we don't know about you know and I think that you know going back to what you said about the adults in that organization there I wonder how many of those adults were actually properly or officially diagnosed with some of those issues when they were at school or whether the system failed them and whether they went undiagnosed but actually their preference and their learning, you know, their, their learning needs and their kind of that inclusivity, this has just made it a lot easier for, for just general adults, you know, who are maybe haven't had those kind of needs diagnosed before to be able to just go about their daily work with so much more ease. And I think that, that that's the beauty of it, isn't it? That, it? that we're not talking here about kind of real, real kind of high end needs all the time. It's about just starting opening up education to be more inclusive uh, to, to adults and, and to children in our classroom, which is great. 
Um, and, and if, you know, if people listen to this and they're not in front of a laptop now, and I know people talk to me and say that, you know, I listen to this podcast when I'm out walking or, or whatever it is, or sat waiting for the kids at football, that kind of stuff. Don't worry, we are going to kind of dive into uh, a lot of these tools in a few minutes time. And I've got a few scenarios that I'm going to pose, Ryan, in terms of, well, if I've got a student with, you know, like this in my classroom, or if I've got a student with these kind of needs, you know, where would I kind of go on the site? So we are going to take um, a real kind of good look around the site. So don't worry about that. And you can then kind of pick that up at your leisure when you're back kind of in front of your laptop or whenever you've got time. So um, we, we've talked there about the, the, the aims and I suppose who it's primarily aimed at, though. But can you just kind of, if, if people aren't in front of a laptop now or before they go on to there, just talk about, about talk to us about how the site works and just give us a, maybe a quick overview of the structure and the main features because it's you know it, it's not just a, um, a a series of kind of things that you can um, that, that are just all in front of you there, are, there actually is a, a structure and an intelligent way to kind of use the site isn't there yeah it's it's something that probably was um, the real light bulb moment when I developed this framework that I've uh, labeled it as um, I felt it was important about the user's needs first. That was something I really wanted to make sure that I maintained throughout the development. So as a framework, when you visit the site, the, you know, there's, there's multiple ways to get to the framework, but in the majority of times, it's it's that first button in the middle of the screen, sort of get started. Um, and it'll provide you the, the choice of four broad learning areas, learning need areas. So what I would advise anybody using the site, if you're going through the framework, think of that one individual pupil that you really want to make a difference to. Um, and then identify which sort of, like I said, broad area do they, in the first instance, do they fit into for their need? Uh, then what the framework will do will provide you subcategories for within that section. Um, again, you're slowly then owning in on um, specific learning areas. And the third step um, and, and the final step, which you know obviously would need to be identified, is what hardware is available. So it, it's obviously going to ask you with the Apple, Google or Microsoft Avenue, um, or it could be you just you just want to have a look around and see, well, if I did buy an iPad, what would be, you know, how could I personalize some learning? Or if you've got a Chromebook, OK, what, what can you offer me? That then kicks out a menu of suggested tools uh, to support the, the learning areas that you've identified. And then within that menu, you've got a, a web page on each of these tools then that um, they're all structured. It's pretty much a template page that I use. So they're all uh, the user interface becomes you know, really quickly to understand and use. And I mean, you don't have to have any skills whatsoever with regards to assistive technology to use the site. It's all been developed as a sort of a really nice flow and interface. But when you get onto those, those individual breakdown pages, there's a, a video tutorial on every page. There's a text description of, I suppose, what it is and what it does as a tool. Um, a top tip, which again was from people's feedback, saying, "Well, if you, if you, somebody's using this tool, what top tip would you give them?" You know, that real uh, good nugget of information, I suppose. There's uh, a link to either install it, to download, download it. Um, that sort of direct re-navigation then to the actual tool. Um, and for me, certainly one of the most influential parts, further down the page as you scroll down, is a case study element. Now, what I've um, enabled there is for people who have suggested these tools, so it's not just me who's creating the, the video pages, I've got uh, a global sort of ambassador network, which perhaps we'll discuss later. Um, what these, these uh, individual educators from across the world have done, they provide me with a paragraph of information of, I suppose, tried and tested approaches to actually implementing it. So, you know, here's a tool, it's really good. And, you know, people can learn that way. But then for an educator, for a fellow educator who's, who's actually using it in reality for a specific reason, the feedback, you know, the, the, those alone are invaluable for, for, I suppose, beginners or somebody only now learning of the tool. So it's, uh, it's that flow then. And I mean, once you've identified a couple of tools for, your, the sort of first identified learner, then it's the case of jotting them down and then maybe going through the framework again and developing uh, you know, uh, a matrix of different tools to implement to all of your learners in your classes. Um, and then you'll quickly see, once, once you know a tool, and, and a lot of them are so quick to install through the Chrome Web Store uh, or through the App Store, whatever it might be, um, once you know it, you can then apply those same 
sort of um, solutions across across every class and pretty much every pupil then you know you're going to know what what works with your individual pupils needs fantastic and, and, and like I say I can vouch for the fact that it's a, a, a brilliant directory um, mm. of all of those different kind of uh, like a menu of, of, of apps really there and, and add-ons downloads etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, for all three um, you know, bits of hardware like you said for Apple for Microsoft and Google now today I want to focus us on on the kind of on the Google um, uh, add-ons um, because yeah. I think that certainly we're a, you know we're a kind of a, a trust that, that uses Google um, and certainly from that kind of Chrome interface have been able to kind of use things wherever and not then be thinking oh I have to use an iPad or we haven't got any iPads well actually you know if students have got Chromebooks in lessons or, or, or staff are using things from the front or people have got laptops at home when generally they've got access to a Chrome browser and they can kind of use these things so I want to, I want to focus on those but to start with what I just just in case there's a little bit of kind of lingo that that, that, that people maybe not as, as familiar with and I know sometimes technology um, and um, you know and, and and I suppose let me let me say techies like you sometimes Ryan kind of <laughs> use some kind of language that we kind of go oh, I'm not really sure what that kind of means so we talk yeah. we're talking about kind of chrome add-ons okay so I just want to before we get into some of those add-ons just a, a little bit of a, a brief you know a real quick kind of quick what is an add-on where do you find them how can they be downloaded and then once they are downloaded where do they sit and how can we use them so just a, a little kind of quick overview of that I think will be really useful for people yeah, definitely. No, that's a, that's a valid point. And, and often, you know, you, you're talking to some people and you just assume that they're aware of it. So no, valid point. The Chrome Web Store, I suppose, is, is where everything is housed. Now, all it is is a, is a website, very much like if you've got an iPhone or an Android phone, you know, your, your app stores or your Play stores. It's, it's basically the same concept, but when you're using Chromebooks. So a quick Google search for Chrome Web Store would bring up the website um, it's full of, I think it's over 2,000 different tools on there now. Those are um, sort of developed by individuals, by groups, by, well, some are massive organizations who've, who've used Google Chrome and have identified how they can take it that little bit further. Mm-hmm. So Google is very um, open, I suppose, to allowing companies, some, you know, offer free tools, but some actually obviously make make money by offering these tools that, collaborate i suppose is a good word of saying collaborate with google chrome as a browser experience um so then within this web store uh what you find is extensions and add-ons that you can add to your profile so when you're signing into your chromebook you can you can work on one chromebook potentially add it to your profile um either there's this either uh, add-ons that work as a, a chrome wide uh, add-on or extension or there's some that are specific to, for example, only work on Google Slides. They're, they're Google Slides specific add-ons or sheets or docs or whatever it might be. And, and it, you very quickly can learn you know, the different ones. And certainly on social media, you'll see people advocating different ones. Um, but then what it allows you to do, because it's been added to your profile, when you sign out of that device that potentially you've got to leave in school and you go home and sign into your own Chromebook at home, then that that add-on is, is added to your profile. So it's obviously sync, uh, synchronizing across devices. So if you turn a setting on in school, when you go home, that setting's still going to be turned on. Um, and basically, what well, is a huge library. Like I said, thousands of tools on there. So when you're searching the Chrome Web Store, well, I'd certainly say bookmark that page uh, initially. Mm-hmm. That's a good one to have uh, bookmarked at the top of your browser. But then what it is, once they're installed, they go and live basically in the top right corner of your Chrome browser. Uh, there's a little jigsaw piece. Um, say jigsaw piece. It looks kind of like a man upside down. I'm looking at it now. It's an uh, <laughs> unusual thing. Next to your profile picture in the very top, uh, in line with the URL bar. And it's um, uh, basically that's where they're housed. That's the extensions element of the toolbar. Uh, when you click in that jigsaw piece, you'll see all the different extensions that you have installed. Uh, from there, then you can open them, you can remove them, you can pin them. So some of your most sort of regularly used ones, you can pin to the bar. Obviously, there's a little pin uh, icon there. By clicking that, you, you'll see what it does. It just pop, populates it uh, out of the jigsaw piece and alongside the jigsaw piece for you to have easier access to. Um, you can obviously revoke access to any of them and you, you can customize your, your experience using them, basically. 
Fantastic. Now you mentioned there about kind of Chromebooks. What about as well if if staff are kind of because I know some of these are going to be useful for for adults, as you've said as well. You know, I'm yeah. using like a um, a Windows um, a Windows laptop now. I've got a Windows Surface laptop. If because I, I log into Chrome, do they do those yeah. do those add-ons follow me still through that in, in into my yeah. into my Windows laptop as well? Yeah. Yeah, they do. As long as you're signed into your profile on, basically, when using Chrome web browser, wherever you are uh, on a on a lap, whatever the laptop brand is or desktop is, if you're signed into your work profile, personal profile, whatever it might be, then those settings are going to follow you, whatever device you're on. Brilliant. Okay, right. So we've talked about the site. We've talked about kind of the, the Chrome add-ons and that kind of stuff, where they sit, how to download them. and everything. So people are kind of sitting there now probably thinking, right, come on, what, what, what what's on there? What's going <laughs> to yeah. make my life better as a teacher? What's going to make my students' lives easier? Uh, how can we kind of open this up and, and, and really see the magic? So I've got four scenarios here, Ryan, in, in terms of if I was – you know, in in because what I want to do is really, like we said before, think about the the classroom teacher that's got twenty five people in front of them. Not necessarily a one to one setting, but actually, you know, a mainstream twenty five, thirty people in front of them. All right, how's this going to be able to change? So, um, let's look at the first one then. So, I, what happens if I've got a student or, or a number of students in my class that have got some kind of literacy learning needs? Um, how can I use the site to assist to, to assist them? And what's on there that kind of can make it can make a big difference to them? Okay. Um, again, there's so many tools on there that can support this, but I suppose some of my favorite ones that I'd, that I'd recommend, there's um, a font changing extension called Open Dyslexic Font. That's a really useful tool that's, um, again, it's a Chrome-wide extension, so that's going to work across everything you do on Chrome. And what it does when you switch it on, and there's a, there's a couple of um, personalizing settings that you, you'll see if you install it. It's very straightforward. But it converts and I suppose overrides any font that's on a web page in front of you. It converts it to, a, um, to the open dyslexic font um, so that anybody with uh, difficulties in reading or specifically with dyslexia, diagnosed dyslexia, the, the pages become far more easily readable. Uh, that's a really quick win for a lot of students. And I've seen, you know, the, on, again, the light bulb moment when you see mm -hmm. teachers show this to their students and the difference in reading. And there's a ton of like case study videos online of how it's transformed people's, um, you know, by, by literally installing an add-on, it's transformed their access to their curriculums again. And, and, and that's brilliant. Like I say, it sounds really yeah. easy. And the fact that it's going to make a huge difference because we just know the problems yeah. that some students have with reading. And some students will say that they don't like reading or they're not interested. But a lot of the times it's because there's an undiagnosed issue there, isn't there? That actually it's not about the fact that they don't like reading. They just find it difficult. So it's easier yeah. to say, I don't like reading. Um, so I think that's great. And I take it that and all the fonts, and I, I went to ask this before we started really, I suppose, in the scenarios, these are all free add-ons that you know that, 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 can, that people, you know, we don't have to yeah. be spending lots and lots of money. On these they are all free, aren't they? That's completely free, that one. There are a few on the site. Um, that have got paid features to them, but they explicitly say that on there. There's very few that are coming with a cost, or at least there's, you know, you might have the premium features you've got to pay for, whereas yeah. the basic sort of functionality is free. But the, yeah, I um, I can't think off the top of my head which ones are free are paid now because there's uh, there's so many free mm -hmm. ones. Yeah. But certainly that one is a free one, and as soon as you turn it on, and, and when I'm in training or, or showcasing that one, it's always like you know, the BBC Sport page or something like that, that you show it and turn it off and on the show. And the difference is, is remarkable. It's, um, yeah, you need to see it to, to believe it almost. Excellent. Um, a couple what of other else, What else is there for literacy then? Uh, Mercury Reader is one that I probably only found about eight, nine months ago myself. Very clever extension uh, that it basically clears away the clutter um, from a web page or an article you're reading, etc. Again, looking at something like a BBC page where, you know, you're going to have additional links or other articles, you know, either side of the main body of text. Mm -hmm. And basically what by turning it on, it's a little rocket ship uh, icon. Uh, by turning it on, it just it helps that distracting sort of approach to a page. So I would say for somebody with concentration issues or certainly literacy issues, it just brings out the main body of text that, you know, a user can just instantly read you know distraction free then i suppose uh, mm. again a couple of couple of buttons 
turn it on and you're good to go with it. It's so straightforward. Um, read aloud sort of features, the um, you know, text-to-speech technology, that would be a big impacting um, experience to, to bring in. There, there's probably two I'd recommend. Um, a very basic one is read aloud, mm-hmm. um, which which is great. You know, it does what it says on the tin, basically. You can select some text, push the play button, and it, it does read it aloud to you. But I suppose um, ro- the Rolls-Royce of text-to-speech technology, I would say, is read and write. Mm. Um, and and the, that's, something, that, that's something that we've got in the, uh, we, we've got, or, or at the time of recording anyway, we, we, we had a, um, a subscription to that within the trust as well. So some staff yeah. will be familiar with that already, um, but I'm not sure kind of how widely it's used. Okay, so read and write, obviously developed by the fantastic team over in Text Help, um, the majority based in Ireland. What it does is bring up uh, a toolbar onto your onto your browser, offers a range of um, supporting functionality to allow a student, well, I suppose to allow them to gain confidence with um, reading, writing, um, and it's like elements of research as well. Uh, it's really the functionality on the buttons is it, very straightforward but for that text-to-speech element obviously you can you can select individual words or paragraphs or the whole document you know to be re- read back to you and what I what I like about it it's got that color highlighting you know as it's reading the words it's it's identifying what words it's it's reading you know um, that's a, a really nice functionality with it um, as well as the the dictionaries within it they've got sort of like um a text and picture sort of uh, dictionary mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me so it's it's not only giving you the meaning of certain words but it's like identifying what is it you know you can for some learners that would be uh, that extra level of support yeah um i sort of well while whilst talking about text out there and i identify uh for literacy riq uh w-r-i-q mm-hmm. um again another text help tool it's um it's mainly developed to improve writing. So that I would say would certainly motivate, inspire, encourage, you know, the, the learners to to start writing a bit more. You know, it's it's a very um challenging, I suppose. It's it's not in the in the toughness element of it. I mean it's a challenge, it's a it's almost gamification almost to to reading and writing. Mm-hmm. Um but it obviously integrates with Google Docs and Classroom and things like that. Um, but it well, it would allow a teacher then to track progress um, with, with the data that it kicks out, showing how far people have, have come on, I suppose, with their writing. Brilliant. That's another one I would um, signpost people to just go on, go and have a look at the RIQ page. There's some great resources on the page mm-hmm. uh, that they supply, text help supply direct. They've, they've been great because obviously it's what they do. Assistive technology is, you know, pretty much exactly what text help do. So, um, so some companies that I reached out to in the development process were they they loved the site they loved the concept and they wanted exclusivity mm-hmm. and it was something that I I did think long and hard about because you know it was it was a hobby basically that I developed this obviously it's come a lot more now and it's certainly one of the the key services we offer as as Aspire to be you know it comes under the Aspire to be umbrella. Mm-hmm. But it was a decision made quite early on that we wouldn't take any financial rewards or you know any agreements with companies it has to remain an independent platform so that we could include you know several different tools that might do the same thing but they might offer slightly different approaches to it so that the, the end users having a warts and all approach to what is out there on the market i suppose um but text help what they said you know will want to um, company that have, have embraced included you you know uh, and allowed me to um I suppose piggyback off their uh, um, well global reputation. They sponsored the first month with some free swag. So okay. I launched on March the first, and they provided some Google Home devices to to put out there as competition, really, and I got competition rewards for people who were retweeting and commenting and things like that. So um, yeah, they, I'm, I'm I love their products. So I'm uh, very much about. Um, giving back to them so I'd, I'd highlight uh, their tools in particular as, as excellent assistive technology solutions fantastic um, 
Mort is another one that leads me nicely into Mort mm-hmm. there. And again, another company who've who've embraced included you um, and have and have advocated it for me across their social media. Um, and what Mort does for those, well, if you haven't heard of it in the last year, you've been missing out because it's a phenomenal tool that when you really launched, I think it was about May last year, so yeah, about a 12 month old now. Um, it's, it's a verbal feedback tool that I think it was created in essence. And it's just evolved over the last 12 months to, to be um, available in different Google apps. So it was originally just on Google Docs. So that when you go and write the comment, you know, when you when you sort of select a bit of text and write your comment and, you know, you can tag people in via email addresses and all that sort of stuff. What Mort does is allows you to reply with verbal feedback. So obviously for those with literacy difficulties, if you're writing a paragraph of, of feedback that, you know, they need to go and improve their work, some of the messages, the key messages in your paragraph wouldn't be able, you know, wouldn't be fully understood. So by by providing it in a voice voice note or a voice mote, um, you know, it's it's far more inclusive. Not only that, but obviously visual impairment. If you've got that verbal feedback coming to you, that, that's, a, again, a really inclusive way of doing it. But, you know, it's got great literacy needs, but the productivity as for a teacher to be able to record their voice rather than typing out paragraphs you know that uh, that allows for so much more um, marking to be done so quick. You know, so quick and on the go. I know I know some educators who will mark books potentially on the bus home or you know on the train home mm-hmm. and can be doing that on on the fly. Which uh, it's a great tool. I, yeah, I mean we, we 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 we've used that quite heavily, and we've kind of we, we we've got some good kind of you know high level subscriptions there, and and staff are even though it's in the early days of us using it, you know, kind of this year staff are already talking about how it's you know it's it's um not only uh, reduced their workload but it is creating a you know a richer more um you know diverse kind of opportunities to give high quality feedback and for students to engage with it more whether that's because they can understand it more whether it's because uh, they can listen to it and they can kind of maybe hear the the richness in the tone of the of the staff's voice etc cetera, et cetera. but we certainly found that to be a, a real big game changer and i suppose it's now interesting for staff listening to this who are thinking, oh yeah, I already use more and we I already know about that. But actually thinking about the inclusivity of it, not just because it's reducing your your, your marking workload, um, but actually you know w- how can this be used in a, you know to to engage some of those students who maybe you know haven't engaged previously because of some of those difficulties um and i know you know in in, when the, in the podcast that we did on more we were talking about how can you can use it in emails and all sorts and yeah. like you were saying man the different the different google tools now that can be used in you know it's about how can we not just think about workload but how can we think about inclusivity as well and i think that's a that's a that was really nice that it was on that list there not just from yeah. a workload point of view but actually from an inclusivity point of view well, I think a couple of weeks ago, it dropped into Google Forms now. And I think that, for me, is the biggest um, inclusive element. Because don't get me wrong, the comments, you know, putting a voice note in a comment is great. And into emails as well, into Gmail, that was excellent. However, for Forms, and it's available as a, a form builder and a form responder. And it's just, for me, a bit of a game changer, that. Because if I'm putting a form together... I'm, I'm obviously putting my questions as my text response, but to, to add the, the voice note as well, it just makes it fully inclusive, um, which is, you know, phenomenal. If you even put it out to your class or to the wider public, you're making it more um, accessible. And likewise, when responding, some pupils would, you know, I, I always think back to the pupils that I supported in, in the special needs school who had different difficulties with literacy in particular, I think if you'd ask them a question and ask them to write the paragraph in response on a Google form, I would have had a big challenge on my hands. However, if I had said, look, here's the question, but respond to me orally, then I think there'd be a far more positive response. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, and, and it's about, you know, just trying to think of how we can use it in all those different ways and be creative, be innovative, uh, you know, and try things out, you know, and then, and then yeah. kind of, you know, share that feedback kind of, you know, wider with everyone. So yeah, that's great. And already, even just that first scenario I've, I've posed there, we've already got what four or five or maybe six different kind of ways there 
that we can use some of those tools immediately. And I'm, I'm hoping that everyone listening to this is already thinking about certain students in their certain in different classes where they're thinking, oh, that would make a big difference to him. That would make a big difference to her. That would be fantastic for, for this group of students or for all of the students. And, you know, all those things there are, are ready to go immediately. So certainly, you know, get, get back to your laptop whenever you can. Have a little play around. Have a little look at things. Start downloading some of those ones and, and, and give it a go. So... Next one then, Ryan, scenario number two. Uh, we've talked there about kind of literacy, but if I've got, uh, again, a student or a number of students with some slight or pronounced kind of visual impairments, um, what tools on the site would be best to use? And again, like I said right at the top, we're not talking necessarily about, about you know, being blind here, but actually just some of those kind of, maybe some of those needs that are can be quite slight, but can, can, can still cause big barriers to learning. Okay. Um, a couple of quick wins with these, and they're very... Uh say lightweight but what they do they do it well you know uh high contrast is one i'd advocate so that obviously uh, changes the readability of web pages um certainly you know for for us as educators who've been spent uh, you know considerable amount of time in front of the computer screens over the last 12 months and even like i said earlier in office spaces you know to reduce the strain on your eyes with a, with a click of a button that that can be uh really useful so high contrast uh, and all you can do is is either invert or change the color schemes of your web pages and then it really eases the, the readability so that'd be one i would uh, mm-hmm. identify um changing the color overlays of your screen so there's a couple that do this uh, and they all do it well and there's i don't think i've got a favorite there's this color overlay but it's spelled the American way. So C-O-L-O-R, overlay. There's Novalay. So it's the word overlay with the letter N in front of it. One word, Novalay. Um, those are, again, similar to what high contrast does. It, it reduces the, you know, the, the standard white background with, with black text. It, it can put a layer of, um, you know, I always think back, there was one pupil with me who always used to have pale blue paper for resources well i never had this functionality available to me when i was still in the classroom but to quickly change you know the way he worked on a computer screen to have that pale blue interface would have you know almost certainly uh, made a big impact positive impact on the way he was doing his learning um so those two there there's um visor that's a really good one for again it's, it's a colored overlay on the screen but what this one does it's it's almost like having two rulers on your screen. You know, sometimes when you're reading uh, reading a book and you can almost block out your paragraphs or your yeah. sentences, you know, and, and move those items as if you're following mm-hmm. with a ruler. It, it does that in a digital sense with obviously your mouse dictating where that ruler is across the screen. Um, and you can choose what color the rest of the page is. And um, it's like a two-tone approach with a, with a heavy transparent piece and a more... Uh, a darker piece then, you know, to block out the remaining text. So visor is a good one. Um, Colour enhancer. Now I've seen that used a lot with, say, fully able sight, eyesight um, colleagues of mine. They've they've turned on colour enhancer. And what that does, everybody's got slightly different colour um, preferences, I suppose. So with colour enhancer, it just tweaks colours slightly on the screen to, to best suit your your visual uh, needs i suppose and it's it can be done on any website and again going back to the bbc example they've got their standard sort of yellow icons and a lot of the screen um and it might even be if you've got sunlight coming through the window you can you can always tailor it to be specific to your uh, your needs again so it's and you go through a process it's almost like a um a needs analysis with that one uh, very straightforward. And once you've done it once, those settings are saved on your profile, and you can can you know use that on a daily basis or turn it off and on as you see fit. Brilliant. That's, that's a good one. Um, crafty cursor. I suppose that's a, a useful one for visual support. Crafty cursor is um, you can use it at any time, but certainly if you're delivering, you know, back in classrooms potentially now with hopefully an end in sight to the, the, the pandemic. If you're perhaps presenting on a large display uh, device, you know, a, a TV or a projector screen at the front of the class, basically crafty cursor, you can increase the size of your mouse um, up to, it's a, you know, a, a large, particularly from what it, uh, what it normally is to where it can be with crafty cursor, you can make a big change there. So 
Um, and likewise, if you were presenting your screen in a sort of blended learning approach or if you were, you know, doing a presentation to colleagues, et cetera, and you, you know, you wanted to take them through a step-by-step -step approach, um, Crafty Cursor can, can do that for you. By turning it on, you, there's a toggle and you choose the size, um, making things, you know, really clear for your audience then, I suppose. Brilliant. Um, final one, Zoom. So uh, Zoom, again, if by the click of a button, you can, you can Zoom um as much or as little as you want to into specific areas on a web page so it's as if you're holding a magnifying glass you know over the screen in certain areas all led by your your mouse um and obviously if you've got a wheel on your mouse if you've got an external mouse on your chromebook etc with the wheel on your mouse obviously pushing it back and forward would zoom in and out uh and that that's a useful one particularly when you know reading long paragraphs or or even browsing websites, I suppose. It's, um, again, a good one to have at the, the touch of a button. No, that's great. And I suppose what I'm getting coming through here, Ryan, kind of being loud and, and loud and clear, is that this is about, it's about personalization, isn't it? I know this is something you're already kind of passionate about, that we talked about, you know, accessibility, moving towards inclusivity now. But certainly, you know, I know you're really kind of passionate about this personalization and how we can yeah. personalize you know, the, the, the tech in front of us and certainly what you've talked about there about, you know, the colors and the overlays and the contrasts and the cursors and, and all that type of stuff. And it's all about what suits you as the learner, which is what it's about, isn't it? You know, if we, you know, we, we, we've got this technology, um, let's just tweak it ever so slightly and turn the dial a little bit to make it just that little bit better. And those kind of marginal gains that we, we yeah. know about can make some really big differences, you know, um, you know, down the line. So yeah, I, I think I, I, that's, a, that's absolutely fantastic. And again, lots of things there that people can either use themselves um students can use but i think what we need to be starting to do is thinking that you know students won't know this on their own we've got to be able to kind of show students we've got to be able to talk people through it we've got to be able to kind of talk to parents about it we've got to be able to kind of again make make these tools uh you know a bit, bit more well known because they're out there and they're available uh, but they can make big differences so yeah that, that, that's great um next next scenario i've got that I've, I've got two more um Let's think about kind of hearing impairment then, because I know you mentioned that kind of um, you know at, at, at the kind of top of the uh, top of the show when we were talking about. It. So again, if I've got a, a student or a number of students with some form of kind of hearing impairment, um, you know, how, you know what what can they use uh, on the site? Um, it's, it's absolutely what you've just mentioned there. Educators don't know what they don't know um, because these these tools are gems, you know, and they they're hidden in the Chrome Web Store. And unless somebody signposts to you or you just happen to stumble upon it, you're never going to find it. And I think, well, for hearing impairment, I certainly wouldn't class myself as having a hearing impairment. However, I had a MacBook up until about Christmas time that it, I don't know why, but the speaker in it never was that that loud, you know. Um, and this uh, sort of uh, the extension volume master, it's called, when I was sent this, so one of the included you ambassadors sent this in as a suggestion, it transformed the way I used my MacBook. Um, I've, I've changed devices now, but when I had it, it was really quiet. So even when I had 100% volume on my device, I still couldn't really hear it. And of course, I'm, I'm here in my, uh, my, in my office at home in the house for pretty much the last 12 months delivering training and when I'm not delivering training, you know, I put the radio on or something and I always used to use my phone or an Alexa because my laptop simply wouldn't provide me with the relevant volume. So Volume Master, it, what it, it's incredible. And I still don't really know how they've done it because what it does by turning it, uh, enabling the extension, it's a, a high power, highly powerful volume booster, I would describe it as, that allows your device, it overrides your what, what the device is telling you is 100% volume output. Mm -hmm. It can put it up to 600% louder. Um, and I remember being sent it thinking, surely not. Surely you can't overwrite your device's speaker system. But it, it, it is that good. Um, and it tra like, like I said, my, my speakers were useless um, by turning this on. I don't use it very often now, if I'm honest. However, if... You know, if I went to a presentation or I was delivering training and I'd forgotten my external speaker, you know, my, my Bose speaker, whatever it is that I take with me, or the, the amp is working, or even those doing, you know, sometimes in, in assembly, you know, when all the kit in the cabinet doesn't work or something, you know, I'm sure people could relate to that. Well, certainly not over the last 12 months, but in the future. Volume Master, you could just blast the sound out of your device. Um, so you're saying that it's it's not just about those with 
hearing impairment. It could be for a different reason. You know, that, that personalization, volume master could be someone now in a classroom with 30, they can they can boost the volume because they haven't got speakers in the classroom. Uh-huh. Um, however, it was built for that hearing impairment need um, that, that it's allowing uh, the user of it to have a louder um, output of sound from their device. Uh, it does say on there quite cleverly that obviously they take no responsibility for um, <laughs> potential any year dam further year damage or whatever it might be. So I say that with 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 caution. Please don't blast six hundred percent into your into your headphones or whatever. But uh, it can increase it. Put it up gradually. I'd say. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, that one's a good one for hearing impairment. Uh, another great one is um, substitel. I don't know whether you've viewed of subtitles. So it's uh, it can put subtitles basically and captions on any video that you're watching. Now that could be YouTube, uh, Daily Motion, Vimeo, even to the Amazon Prime and Netflix accounts. If you've got those on your laptop, I know a lot of these, um, you know, the the, uh, the Netflix series and things have got the option for subtitles anyway. But some of them haven't for whatever reason been uh, unavailable. Um, so what Substitil does, again, extension uh, to download, which is Chrome uh, browser wide, it um, basically when you turn it on, it fully integrates with all those platforms I just mentioned and, and allows subtitles at the bottom of the screen. And again, it was one of those that was suggested to me. And when I looked at it, it, it is what it says on the tin. I didn't think it would be as good as uh, what I was reading, but it, it again, could transform a, um, a learner or a an educator or somebody, whoever it is, really, um, their, their use of that tool could really help them if they've got a hearing impairment. It's, Absolutely. again, another another free tool. Yeah, and, and I think even even without kind of hearing impairment, the fact that, you know, if students haven't got headphones with them or, they don't, you know, they don't want to be kind of doing that, you can watch them and you can follow along in, in class without disturbing anybody else if you're independently working on something like that. So all those things are great. And I know that, you know, having kind of a keen eye on social media as well, that, all well not all but lots of the um uh kind of high ranking and high profile kind of videos and things that are on social media now come yeah. with subtitles because a lot of people don't want that kind of sound firing out when they're in bed lying next to someone in bed or in the, or in the middle <laughs> of the night do you know what I mean so it's the, yeah. the ability to kind of just to, to, to read what's kind of going on without having to listen to it I think it is really really good so uh, again that could be a, a game changer in lots of different scenarios um you know in the in in, in the classroom or at home so yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um, right. Lastly, now, the last scenario I've got is that I wanted to, because we, we, we talked really about kind of learners and adults, and I want to kind of, you know, to, to delve into a little bit of this in terms of, well, we've talked about learning needs and, and again, accessibility, inclusion, personalization, all those kind of, all those words that, it, that I think it does really well. But I want to look now, well, if I'm a teacher and I'm looking for some general kind of accessibility and productivity hacks to make my life a little easier, what's on the site that could help me out then? Um, I'd certainly uh, raise the flag of Mort again. Yep. Uh, I know I mentioned that earlier on, but for productivity, Mort for me has been massive over the last 12 months, really. I suppose, it, you know, I, I got wind of that last May and it was launching. I didn't really find the time perhaps initially. I didn't think, oh, I didn't really know what it was. Or, but once I started using it, there's no going back with that one. It's such a useful tool to have. Yep. You know, kind of like nowadays people do, you know, your WhatsApp messages, our voice messages, you know, quick memos or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. It, it's that sort of process that you're just doing, you know, think quickly. So that's one I'd certainly raise um, awareness of for productivity too. Mm-hmm. Um, copy fish. That's uh, an interesting one. So what that can do, it can turn any handwritten text, whether it be on an image or a PDF or a newspaper cutting, whatever it might be, um, it can convert the the hand, you know the, the handwritten text or, or even typed text into an editable format. Wow. So things like PDFs even, you know, if sometimes you can copy off a PDF, sometimes you can't. If if you're using copy fish, that you know, it does the hard work for you. So you, so you don't have to retype anything. And I find myself using it all the time. If I'm making notes, as much as, you know, I am a self-confessed techie and I'm using tech all day, every day, I still like, you know, if I'm on a meeting, on a call or something, I'm still making handwritten notes. Mm-hmm. And if that gets to a, you know, quite an extensive written piece, Copyfish then can quickly put that into a doc or onto my Google Keep 
onto a onto or even onto an email you know that that's the functionality that it pro- provides you with um so that's a good one and it's often one you see it uh, particularly on twitter people saying how can i make my pdf editable and blah blah you know it's those sorts of mm-hmm. it's always copy fish is the answer for me with that it's, it's great brilliant um i work with a two screen sort of setup in in the office here at home uh, but when I go to the office, you know, we, we spent months out of the office. When I went back, I just had my laptop with me and it made such a difference to my productivity that I only had one screen. It sounds really uh, <laughs> materialistic, doesn't it? And, and very much a 21st century thing to say, but uh, with my thousand pound device in front of me. <laughs> but it, it is certainly something um, that Dualess has helped me with. So Dualess um, is is an extension bit and, and you can do this what it does you can do it manually but it just cuts out a couple of steps so if you wanted two tabs open on your screen or, or two different browsers or two different documents whatever it is dualess does the hard work for you i suppose so it basically just allows you to choose whether you want a horizontal split or a vertical split and then um what ratio you wanted so the, the lowest ratio is a 30% to 70% split across your screen. Um, and it, it just, you know, by the click of a button, like I said, if you wanted to be making notes from a meeting or from, uh, you know, having something like a webinar up on one half of your screen and, and you're sort of writing emails in the other side or whatever it might be, um, and you haven't got access to two physical screens in front of you, that, you know, is, is a great tool to just quickly turn off and on and that like i said I, it's never on with me when i'm at home because i've got two screens but when i'm in the office that is something um that, that i do use i can i certainly advocate that one that's another good one for again productivity or um day-to-day life support i suppose brilliant that, that's great and I, and I think that those productivity hacks uh, you know they, they're, they're really popular because um like i say you don't know what you don't know sometimes and then you know suddenly something comes along and you think wow that, that's kind of changed my work in practice. That's made me, you know, more efficient, um, you know, all those type of things. So I think if we can, you know, we can start to use as many of those as possible and make tech work for us, you know, rather than the other way around, um, then I, th- I, th- I think that's a, you know, a, that can be a big game changer for staff, um, you know, in their personal as well as their professional lives, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. Right. We've got through a lot there, Ryan, and, and I, I, that, that's fantastic. We've got, got through so many different kind of um different kind of applications there and i know that's just literally a drop in the ocean as to kind of what's on there um and kind of going back to you talking about the different ways to go through the site whether it's to go through the uh, the framework and to look at you know identifying a specific need and answering those two or three questions to kind of home in on what the different area uh, of, the, of the need is and yeah. then finding the the different tech that you want to use whether it's you know google microsoft or apple or whether it's just kind of looking at the looking at them all or whether it's going straight to the kind of uh, to the chrome store lots of different ways to kind of access those and what I'll, what I'll be doing is i'll be putting a list of all of the uh the the, the applications and the um, the add-ons that ryan has mentioned there in the kind of show notes uh you know in, in you know, a little bit further down in the in, in the podcast and um, you'll be able to see those and they're all going to have links that take you directly to the uh, to the specific page on the site as well where you can look at those you can look at the videos you can look at the case studies and you can decide which one of those is either best for you or for your learners so hopefully that'll that'll be really useful and that and that came again from um you know from feedback you know ryan's talked about how how the feedback was kind of working on his site and, they, and that, that was something that came from one of our kind of staff and listeners who said it'd be great if you could put some kind of show notes in that directed to some of those some of those apps and so we're doing that this time and hopefully that'll make a difference to people just make it a little bit easier rather than having to kind of uh, you know find things for yourself so hopefully that that would be useful um now if staff want to find out more about some of the some of the inclusivity tools and also some other ones as well and and, and they've kind of you know they've listened to this day and they've thought oh wow this is brilliant i need to kind of get involved in this um i know you've created a course around this uh, with lots of kind of bite-sized videos now for any staff that listen to it they're part of our trust and i know that people wider than the trust listen to this but certainly from our the, the arete learning trust they've all got access to the um the aspired courses and i i mentioned right at the top of the the show when i introduced you that they may they may recognize your voice um from some of those <laughs> kind of courses uh, even though they can't see you today they they, they may recognize uh, the, the, your voice so can you point listeners in the direction of the of the kind of accessibility with chrome course um and and, and how they'll be able to access it yeah, so of course, um, 
Aspire Ed has been a game changer for us, not being allowed to get into schools over the last 12 months. It was kind of like, well, that was, you know, our bread and butter, if you like, the professional development delivery. Um, so we obviously developed Aspire Ed, spelt, uh, spelt Aspired, but obviously it's the play on the ED on the end. Uh, AspireEd.online is the site. There's obviously 30 plus courses on there now. Uh, in Wales, they're obviously available bilingual as well. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to put... Uh, inclusion courses on there so there's an apple microsoft and google based course that takes you through um about 15 or 16 in each of those courses uh like key recommended apps and add-ons and extensions that can support so very much very aligned to what we've discussed this afternoon but in a step-by-step process so um the, the chrome one in particular accessibility on chrome takes uh, there's myself and a guest guest host on the course, uh, Kim from Bridgen College in South Wales. She is the assistive tech lead at an FE college. So the pair of us collaborated on it. So it, it's got both of our expertise built into the course. And it looks in a step-by-step process at how you can, I suppose, unlock these new learning experiences that students with diverse needs, abilities, or even learning styles, uh, how they can quickly implement some of these tools um, and, and it is a horses for courses sort of approach, you know, of those 15, 16 tools, perhaps only 10 of them will be useful now, but it's good to have up your sleeve an awareness of some of the others. Um, so I wouldn't say force any in for the sake of it, just, you know, take out of it what you want. But it's, it's a very uh, quick, quick and nice and easy, a very light course. Go on there. Anybody who's not in the trust, it is currently available for free as well. Um, so like I said, AspireEd.online and have a look at the accessibility on Chrome one. Uh, and hopefully that will, well, I suppose, um, make sure everybody's included and engaged uh, within your classes. Brilliant. And finally then, and I know you kind of briefly mentioned it um, about halfway through, and it's something that I wanted to kind of pick up because I'd, I'd seen this uh, listed actually on, on, on the site. Um, I've seen that you're looking for members of the teaching community to become um, included you uh, ambassadors for assistive technology suggesting either new programs or ways that they, you know, that you, they can use the current framework. You talk about case studies as well. Um, so can you tell listeners how they can get involved in this if it's something that they've kind of, they're interested in and, they, and they've got a real passion for this, you know, just like you? Yeah. Um, again, through through the Innovator Academy, people were providing me feedback through the testing phase at all times. And initially it was me as the, the founder, the creator, the developer, every single job was me. And it was, it was going to grow. The site was going to develop and I was going to have resources on there. But somebody said, well, why didn't you just ask others if they'd be interested with, with similar passions as yourself for accessibility and for personalizing learning? And, you know, people might provide you with their videos or their case studies, etc., rather than me do it all myself. And I thought, well, I got nothing to lose. Let, let's do it. So it was a simple tweet. I remember it was a Sunday night in the autumn. I put a tweet out saying, if anybody wants to get involved, can you just declare whether you're an Apple, a Google, or a Microsoft user? You know, where's your sort of expertise lie? And I'll be in touch. And it was probably 24 hours later before I, I looked at the form again. I thought, oh, it'd be great if I could get double figures just for a, you know, a bit of a boost for me and to to make sure that I was, you know, other people were seeing the site and becoming interested in getting involved. Um, and I think I was up to 140 within 24 <laughs> hours. And it was just like, oh, my God. And it blew my, you know, it's one of those moments that I look back on. And I think it was a bit of a level up moment, I suppose, from the site. Because I had people willing to um, give up their time to create some resources for my site. Again, another reason why I was keen to keep it independent so that people don't think they're doing my hard work and I'm financially benefiting or benefiting in other ways. So it was all sort of going very quickly in the right direction. So I put them all in sort of a database and said, I'll be in touch very soon when I'm ready to accept some suggestions. We'll go from there. So I developed then in the back end a, a sort of um, a graded response to what people supplied. So five suggested tools would get you the bronze ambassador recognition 10 for silver 15 for gold so anybody willing to advocate included you can be an ambassador it's literally just sign up that's just telling me that you're shouting it from the rooftops basically that you're either using it on a training session or you've passed it on to your colleagues 
um, you get sent like, uh, you know, your digital certification badges and things. If I've seen people put it on their, their email signature, which, if I'm honest, blows my mind. Uh, little old me in West Wales developed <laughs> something that, you know, and people are, are really advocating it on a global scale, which is amazing. But there's been a group of about 20 individual ambassadors who've grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and have been just simply fantastic for me to allow to grow the site much, much faster than I probably could have done independently. Um, so they've sent me videos. And the, I think the elements from the feedback I've heard, the elements that they enjoy is that they can put videos on their YouTube channels. And I'm happy to just link my videos from their YouTube channels. So they get the subscribers, they get the, you know, the more views and things like that. Because what I'm looking for is just the best tools, the best demonstrations, case studies, etc. And that's, allowed me, you know, whilst I'd like to say I know quite a bit about assistive technology, there's always something new out there that I'm either not aware of or just, you know, haven't found yet. And like I said, that volume master came through that way. Somebody suggested that and it blew my mind. It was something that I was desperate for myself. So um, it's it's got over, I think, looking at the analytics of the day, there's about 4,000 individual users of the site in the last two months since March the 1st, since I launched. I think it's about 70 different uh, countries across the world it's reached um and then i've got a, a, i think it's just over 160 at the moment ambassadors who are either shouting it from the rooftops or or certainly you know giving me some tools suggested tools so uh, to answer your question i suppose anybody who knows of a specific tool an add-on an app um an integration whatever it might be if it's not on the site um whilst you're on the site up the top right you'll see the affiliate button uh, and it's it's a quick form to fill in uh, and it just provides me sort of what context you know what learning needs can this be categorized within so is it something that helps um, blindness and low vision or you know all those subcategories as part of the framework um, and then uh, potentially well it, it really helps if there's a, is a video tutorial on on there as well um, a uh, bit of context, the case study, if you were willing to write one, submit it. And then at the moment, I got a bit of a backlog at the moment, but there's there's about 10 or 15 I need to upload to the site to upgrade it again. But I tend to do that on a monthly basis. Um, because, Like I said, because I'm, I'm doing this sort of as a, as a hobby, I suppose, in the background, uh, upkeeping up it at the moment. Um, but yeah, where, where it is now is all down to the ambassadors providing me these tools. It's probably this where I'm at now. I was thinking if I get there in three years, I'd be delighted. But I've I've done it since March the first, really, to get it to this stage, which is, you know, something I'm proud of, but something that I know is is having an impact on a global scale. Then that that wasn't there previously. Absolutely, and and certainly, I'd you know, I'd I'd love it if if some of that you know teachers from the Retail Learning Trust kind of got involved in there and felt they could kind of uh, some add some um, some expertise and, and and some insight into those things. But even for any listeners that are, that are, you know that are listening outside of the trust and maybe listening within the UK somewhere, even across the world, you know, let, let you know that the power of the community um, and, and the power of people kind of coming together and actually doing something, which I think you know, I want to congratulate you on, and I suppose probably you know and they're all the for, on behalf of all the listeners and everyone thinking the same thing just a, a fantastic project for for the greater good really that you're kind of doing there following your passion plugging your passion together with your uh, your ability and your expertise in digital technology and you know making a difference to to students like you say all over the world to to, to staff um far wider than the four walls of your your office at home there and um yeah i, I think it's it's brilliant and the more we can you know, we can get involved in that. The more we can, the more we can use it in our classrooms. Um, then I think that you know, it's there for it's there for the greater good, and it's there to to make us all kind of better into you know to make that education, like we've said, accessible, inclusive, and personalised where we want it to be, which is ultimately what's going to make the biggest difference. So yeah, so just a huge congratulations, but also a huge thank you in terms of wrapping up now um, for coming and you know taking the time today, coming on the on, on the podcast, talking so kind of. Um, so freely about, about the, the different ways that they can, you, we can use the site. And um, yeah, just just a huge thank you, Ryan. No, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, to showcase it and hopefully raise awareness and, and like you say, have the impact on the learners at the end of the day. That's uh, the, the core, core purpose behind it. So yeah, appreciate the kind words, John. Thanks for listening to the ALT Learn Podcast. 
We'll be back soon with another episode where we'll be speaking to more of our teachers and finding out how they're turning theory into practice. Until then, take care.